and welcome to Fundamentals, the podcast that explores pop culture one conversation at a time. I am your host, Harley. On this episode, I'm joined by the co-host of the Chronicles of podcast, Jamie Westwood. Jamie was kind enough to come onto the show and share his love of what has to be one of the biggest rock and roll bands of all time, and that is, of course, Kiss. Now, this might surprise some of you listening if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, but Kiss is a bit of a musical blind spot for me. I know, I know, I'm very much a self-proclaimed rock and metalhead, and that's still the case, but for some reason, Kiss is just a band that passed me by. I never really gave them the time of day. So when Jamie suggested this as a topic, I was really curious to talk about it with him, and I was keen to learn as much as possible about this band. We had a ton of fun discussing the various genres that Kiss has played around in, the live shows, the makeup, the marketing, all of that good stuff, what it is that's basically allowed them to endure for as long as they have and keep this kind of success that, frankly, you don't really see in very many bands today. It was really so much fun talking with Jamie. I learned a ton in this conversation, and I'm sure you guys will as well. Uh, just before we get into that episode, as I mentioned last week, I was fortunate enough to guest on a number of different podcasts in my hiatus. I will be shouting out another one at the end of this episode, so make sure you stick around for that. And of course, for more details on where you can find out more about the Chronicles of podcast. So with all that said, let's get to it. This is Kiss with Jamie Westwood. Hello, Jamie, and welcome to the Fundamentals podcast. Thank you very much for having me, sir. Much appreciated. Oh, pleasure's all mine. And you're here with a really interesting musical topic, one that is a big blind spot for me, actually. Oh, and interesting. So yeah, so I'm really curious to learn about it, and that is the mighty band Kiss. Yes. So I'm just going to throw it straight over to you, Jamie. What was your introduction to Kiss? My introduction to Kiss was a very, very young age. I was two years old and I was introduced to Kiss. My mum my brought me up on the world of rock and metal, and we used to watch these uh-huh. VHS tapes that we had back in, back in the day. Kids, we didn't have DVDs or streaming. We had VHSs. And <laughs> there was two that I was obsessed with. One was called right. Crazy from the Heat by David Lee Roth. And it yep. was just a bunch of music videos and stuff like that. And then there was this special one called Kiss Exposed. And it, you watch it back now, it is the most ridiculous thing you'll ever watch in your life. It's like, right. it's a, a tour of Paul Stanley's house. And there's intercuts of live footage and music videos and stuff like this. But I was enamoured with this video. And I used to watch <laughs> it on repeat. There is a bit, if anyone is familiar with Kiss, where Gene Simmons spits blood on stage and breathes fire and this sort of stuff. I was yeah. terrified. I would run mm. and hide behind the armchair of the sofa when he's doing that. But constantly, I'm like looking over the back. I'm like, is, it, is he still doing it? Is he still doing it? <laughs> oh, I can come back out. No, it's fine. It's fine. And like my mum my tells me, I used to watch this video on repeat. I've still got it. I've still got yeah. the VHS. It's in the loft. It don't play. Like There's parts yeah. of it that don't play anymore from how much <laughs> I've worn it out over the years. But I can't bring Love myself that. to get rid of it. I'm like, no, this is my pressure. This was my introduction. This is where it all started for me. And, yeah. it, and it's literally never stopped since then. I've always listened to them. I saw them for the first time when I was 10 years old, going to Donington Monsters of Rock wow. Festival. Yeah. And yeah, it's been an obsession ever since. And I know they're mm-hmm. a very 
controversial band, shall we say? But mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. me, they're just they're just they're my, they're my they're my jam, as the kids say. I love them so much. I love that. I mean, we can get into all the controversy and all the things like that. I mean, th- this is one of those topics that, as I said to you just before we started recording, I'm genuinely curious to learn about. Um, but yeah, I, I can understand actually that that formative age. It's very young. That is very yeah. young to be, to be introduced to stuff like that. But good on your mum. Good on your mum oh, for yeah. introducing you to to good music. You know, um, yeah, can, can relate with my dad. Very similar. Um, I might have even told the story. I mean, I've mentioned on this podcast before about Van Halen has has come oh. up a number of times. I mean, when you mention Diamond Dave, Roth, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah, that was one of my formative experiences and. Um, I fondly remember asking my dad at like age 11 if he'd ever heard of a band called Metallica and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then very quickly being introduced to the Black Album and having my tiny little mind blown. So oh, yeah. I always believe in these formative moments. Um, and yeah, something like Kiss is fascinating, right? Because my understanding and my experience of them listening to their music is it's very straightforward sort of, I would call it anthem rock, you know, a yes. lot of their stuff, right? It's big choruses, it's big production and it's a lot of yeah strange and interesting stage productions as costumes that they're famous for so it kind of makes sense that something like that would capture the minds and imagination of a child really and then would in sort of ingratiate itself onto you in later life i think that's what it was because obviously i was brought up on all those same bands i have memories of headbanging to enter sandman with my mom in pubs in birmingham like yep. all those bands like my mom's told me memories of me sitting in my high chair banging going oi to tnt by acdc like <laughs> that, that that is my childhood listening but there was something about kiss and i think it is yeah. it's the look the makeup the pageantry like that video i was talking about it's got old school stuff with the makeup on but it's also yeah. 80s music where there's no makeup but bright colors girls yeah. like everything that just mm. make a Personally, like, oh my god, what is this? There's fire, there's explosions, there's guitars. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, yeah, and it really drew drew me in. And I, yeah, I genuinely don't know what it was about it, but yeah, mm. ju- I think it is that though. I think it is that the bright lights, the makeup, the spectacle of it. Mm. It's it's more than just a band. Like Metallica, yeah. as amazing as they are, it's four dudes on stage with some instruments. Mm. Yeah, I get that. It's it's definitely. Something that I, I hear a lot of people talk about more and more these days is the idea of of sort of what makes a good live performance, right? And I think there's different schools of thought. It very much depends on my opinion, and I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Jamie. Is it depends? Is yes. my answer on that? It depends. You know, what kind of band are you? What sort of music are you? Um, I mean, case in point, just five minutes in, I'm going to immediately talk about my favorite band, which is Alterbridge. Uh, they, yeah, great bands. It would make zero sense if they came out in costumes and had fireworks and you know what I mean? Like it would just be a bit, what, what's this? What are you doing? Because yeah. it just wouldn't tonally match up. Kind of the same with Metallica as much as they do have a big presence on stage and they'll have certain elements of their performance, like saw them this year at Download and there was, you know, multiple drum kits and there was, you know, bits of pyrotechnics and stuff where you're like, yeah, this is a show. But obviously, again, it's nowhere near the same as a band like Kiss where it's like, no, no, no it's this is a, a performance. This is going to be lights and costumes and all sorts of things. And there are certain bands that do that very well. You know, I think of a band like Ramstein's another one that are famous very for it. Uh, Iron Maiden's another one that's famous for it. You know, lots and lots of other bands similar to that, that 
it's part of the show you know it's it's part and it has to fit tonally so yeah it kind of makes sense that kiss would would find themselves gravitating towards that i think as well like the front man is so important because you might not have all the mm. lights and spectacles, but if he's engaging with yeah. the crowd, he's talking, mm. he's having a laugh, it, it makes it a show. Sometimes Absolutely. just the music isn't all of it. I'll never forget several years mm. ago at Down, and I can't remember, I think it was 2015, I'm not 100% sure. Uh-huh. I saw Megadeth for the first time. Ah, yeah. One of the best live music performances I have ever seen. You could have been listening to the record, but my mm. God, I was so bored. Because right. he didn't talk, he didn't engage with the crowd, he didn't do mm. nothing. I was like, I could have just put a CD on when I got home, job done. Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you need that. Fair. You need that extra something in a live performance. Definitely. But I want to take it back a little bit because my understanding, again, of, of Kiss and the history of the band is that wasn't always the case for them, right? In what sense, sorry? Is in, I don't, were they always this sort of big costume stadium acts. I think they were Always. a bit of a, I thought it was a bit of a reinvention at some point. Am I wrong? No, no. It, from day one, from the first album, 1974, the plan was to go out there. They put makeup on. It wasn't as lavish uh-huh. as it become, but they had makeup on. They were wearing women's clothing. Okay. And they, they went on to them stages to say, we want people to remember us. Okay. There's so many bands out there. Like They, they came up in New York. Like There's so many yeah. bands in New York. What oh, yeah. can we do to stand out? And that's why mm. that live performance became so important. It's why they didn't become that famous till about four or five albums when they released their live album because mm. you needed that live experience of Kiss to get it. Mm. Like if you listen to the albums, you're like, yeah, it's good. It's rock and roll. It's wicked. It's great. But mm. it didn't push them to that extra okay. level. And that's where that live performance came in. It's so important to them. And right. like I said, yeah, they they did after quite a few years drop the makeup but there was always okay. still stuff there like to make right. that performance a little bit extra you could say okay that's probably what i'm getting confused because as i say i don't know a lot about the band and i you sort of hear different things but that's interesting then yeah so that was their mission statement from day one was to be noticed and it kind of makes sense i mean given as well as you say the music and i'm saying this with full due respect, so <laughs> nobody come after me here, including you, Jamie. <laughs> but it's but it's very straightforward. Glam it is, rock, yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 still well played. Don't get me wrong. There's still some great guitar work and great musicianship, if you will, in there in the songs. But it's always a funny one because I feel like when I first saw Kiss, there's like you know the the whole uh, production, the costumes, and then I heard the music. I, I almost couldn't quite match them up in my brain in a way if it makes sense i was kind of like oh that's not what i was expecting um but then again i was coming at it you know my experience of sort of masked uh and costumed artists were bands like slipknot you know like more heavier kind of out there stuff so when it was like here's another big group and they've been going since the 70s and then they come out with you know god gave rock and roll and uh, (laughs) sort of like these sort of chorusy swaying nice soft sounding rock songs i was like oh not what I was expecting, <laughs> but also I was like, no, I could see how that works. I could totally see how all of that theatricality could be really enjoyable in a live show. It is, and that's why it was the live album, the first live mm. album that got them to where they are today. Because Absolutely. if you listen to that album and then listen to the records that came before, where the songs come off, sound mm. complete. They sound completely different. Okay, I don't know what it is. Like they've said before, they don't know what it was. They just couldn't capture that live performance feeling in a studio. Mm. 
there are quite a few bands that struggle with that to be fair yeah you know i mean again shout out to another one of my absolute favorite bands hailstorm like they're a lot better at it now yeah i I will say this and this is not to discredit them because they are a phenomenal band but it is night and day or at least it was for quite a long time you know those early albums like they're good albums but then you see them live and you're like oh this is something completely different and they're not the only ones there are lots of bands that that have that as you say and i I can see how that would happen with Kiss as well, right? Because I'd imagine a big part of it is the energy that they get off the crowd, yes. and you can't you can't put that in a studio, no matter how hard you try. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it, I, f- I find it absolutely amazing. Like it's why, and it's what I love about them as well, because there's so many different layers to them. Like we're talking the early days, it's that basic rock and roll, but then you go further in the career, the sound changes. Like their biggest era, and as much as most Kiss fans hate to admit it. Their biggest album was a disco album. Really? But it worked. Like, it's pretty much a rock and roll disco album. The original album was called Dynasty. It's what I Was Made For Loving You came off. Possibly right. their most okay. biggest hit. And it's... it. I love it because I love everything they put out. But <laughs> it's a disco record at the end of the day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was not. It was the 70s, you know. It, 1979, that album came out. And it's... Yeah. Disco's huge in 1979 and fair play to them. They went, well, we're a dying breed now. Yeah. What, what can we do? So Paul huh. turned around and went, sod it. I'll write a disco song. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like their biggest hit. <laughs> wow. I did not know that. There yeah. you go. That's, that's, that's fascinating. And then again, like later in the 90s, they went, okay, grunge is huge. Let, let's try putting mm. out something a bit heavier, a bit... Crunchier, mm. and do you know what? Fans loved it. They came back because mm-hmm. they stick with the times. And it's why I personally, over the years, have never got bored of them because I was like, do I listen to rock and roll? Yeah, I stick that on. Do I want to like fast paced, proper mm-hmm. 80s, high pitched, let's go for it, my hair's as big as the house sort of music? Yeah. yeah I'll put one of those non makeup albums on. It's, there's always yeah. something. That's what's always drawn me into them as well. Nice. Oh, I like the sound of that very much. I love I mean, how your again, mind is blown by the idea of a disco record. By the <laughs> <laughs> again, again, and this is this is my ignorance, and this happens on topics, you know, where I, I genuinely don't know a lot. Um, and like I said, with Kiss, that is my the extent of my knowledge is like a handful of songs. Um, so what will probably happen is what's happened to me several times this year, actually, on this podcast <laughs> is I've gone and discovered another band and gone. Actually, do you know what? I quite like this or like you know oh this is something different here i'm gonna check this out um yeah i had no idea but it is something that i find interesting about any band right when you sort of get to the point of becoming a legacy act is yeah staying relevant as you say so i'm intrigued by that fact that yeah they seem to try and try out different sounds and sort of move with the times a little bit i mean some might say maybe that's selling out but I guess I don't know. It depends, right? That right there. That's what I was on about the decisive thing when it comes to Kiss, uh, like okay. because a lot of the fans went, "Why the hell are you making a disco record? This isn't my rock and mm. roll. What are you doing?" Right. But the kids loved it, and mm-hmm. the mm. members of the band, like two of the members of the band, dropped off at that point. Two of the original members, not long after that, because they were like, "This uh-huh. isn't the band I signed up for. This isn't right. rock and roll that I wanted to play." <laughs> Like they've had so many different lead guitars and drummers because they just seem to just annoy people. But mm. <laughs> and okay. because they because how can I say this and not sound like I'm insulting the band? It is a business to them. That mm. you know, yes, it's music, but it's the music business. This isn't working. Right. 
this isn't where the times are now. Let's try something new. That didn't work. Mm. Let's try this. Why not? It isn't always about the passion for music, which, again, I think is why it's very decisive for some people. Mm. That's interesting. That's interesting, yeah. I mean, I suppose the thing to think about that is if they're being honest about it, I guess, is probably the thing. I mean, it, personally, that's not the kind of approach I'm drawn to. I do prefer the more artistic approach yeah. and, you know, doing doing it because you love it. Um. But then I guess thinking about it, from what you're saying, if they were, the whole thing was to get noticed and stand out and attract a crowd, it, it kind of makes sense on paper that they would shift every so often. Am I right in thinking, though, that even though they're trying different sounds like Grunge Disco you mentioned, you can listen to it and still recognise it as a Kiss song, yes. as, as, a, as the band, basically, not just who is this? Yeah, you can tell like, oh, that's that's early Kiss. That's all. Oh, that's this era. That like, you can tell the difference in the eras, but right. it's still unapologetically them. You can yes. tell it's them. Like brilliant mm -hmm. guitar solos. Paul's voice has always remained. Mm -hmm. He's he's done different things with it, but it's still Paul's voice. It's still Gene's voice. You can you can hear it. It's still unap mm -hmm. unapologetically them, which is what I like as well. Because yes, they've gone okay. Let's change things up, but it's still this is kiss at the end of the day they've not turned around and gone oh let's let's make let's put some flute solos in it let's go with jeffro toll you know it's right, still yeah. rock and roll it's still kiss at the end of the day okay see i'd, I'd find that easier to sort of get behind uh in that case and, and to be fair as well again thinking about it i suppose there's nothing inherently wrong with treating it like a business right no i i, I my immediate sort of comparison in my brain i think about different type of actors that you get right yeah like you get those that uh want to be character actors they want to sort of do different things because it's creatively challenging and then you get your samuel l jacksons who just say yes to anything <laughs> and in fairness to them make a really good living yeah. and you know some of the stuff they do is going to be great and some of it's going to be awful but i guess that's the hit rate if you treat it like a business if you're just building it and you're just going yeah i have to take the opportunities and I suppose from a musical point of view, yeah, it makes sense. You're going to try things and, hey, some things will be great. It'll be a smash hit and some things, yeah, probably not. But then you just try again. So I can kind of get behind that. It's bit, I don't know sometimes because I love them so much. I'm such a big fan of them. If I give right. them too much credit. Like, <laughs> like, I do often I do often think, to them, is it just dollars and cents? Is it like, this, is gonna yeah. be, this band has made us a lot of money. I don't want to give mm. up. I want to keep mm. going. And then another part of me is like, is it a passion thing? They've spent so many mm. years doing this. They don't want to give up. Disco's come mm. along. Rock and roll's going. They could go, okay, we're irrelevant. Let's hang up the boots. We're done. Mm. Or do they go, or we could change things up a little bit. Mm. And we don't have to give up this band that we love. We can stay relevant. We can keep doing this. Mm. It's, it's always that divide. I'm like, yes, I'd like to think it's that. And then there's also thinking, don't mm -hmm. be daft, Jamie. It's dollars and cents. They like to make money. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can, you can be... Exactly. You can look at it from both sides. You can play devil's advocate for sure and, and look at that. I mean, and I think any band, particularly, again, legacy bands now, are very guilty of this, right? You know, again, not having a go, but... I was at download. I noticed with Metallica. You, you, did you see it? Were you there? I, I wasn't, or... unfortunately. I did want to go, okay. but yeah. No, that's all right. But they um they had like they've done this before. They had a um a sort of uh I think semicircle walkway. Oh, the snake pit. And yeah, the snake pit. That's the one. And then in the middle, you know, there were there were people who were either fans or people that 
you know, friends of the bands or paid extra money to get there. And it's the sort of thing they've done before in the past. Yeah. And and the, lots of other bands are similar. And, you know, I remember, I remember checking out videos sort of looking at how much they, these things cost. And you just, your jaw does kind of hit the floor and you go, seriously? <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, to be fair, they're a multi-million dollar entity now. And that's kind of every big band once you reach a certain threshold, right? Is there's going to be a lot of these decisions that are made either by the band or by people who manage the band. And it's a funny thing, right? Because I feel like as fans, we can be a little bit cynical and resentful and sort of go, oh, that's greedy. And it's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, they're not forcing anyone to do it. No. And if people are going to spend money on it, fair enough. Again, I love Alter Bridge, my favorite band. But, you know, they, they're like, oh, you can spend three, $4,000 on this guitar that's signed by the band and was used on this, you know, this album. And I can look at that and go, that's a bit greedy. Oh, you don't need to do it. But I'm like, oh, fair enough. It's an opportunity. And they always get snapped up. People always buy them. And you kind of go, hey, if they're giving what the fans what they want, and I know Kiss do this as well, it's like, is there anything wrong with that? Not really. No. Supply and demand. If there's no demand, there'll be no supply. Simple. Yeah. To put yeah. it in business, if, if people didn't want to buy it, then it wouldn't be there to be brought. And it, these yeah. things always yeah. sell. They always sell out. Oh, yeah. Like, and always. Even though they cost a lot of money, they always yeah. sell. I'll never forget Gene Simmons did a thing a few years ago. It was called the Gene Simmons mm. Vault. It literally yes. looked like a safe. Yeah, and it yeah. was full of God knows how many records and stuff. I was it's like, and I'll come to your house and I'll play a gig and all this stuff. And I was like, who's going to pay for that? Like, mm. they used to do the next thing I know, sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out. I was like, there you go. Someone's going to pay yeah. for it. A hundred percent. And then you kind of go, fair enough. From yeah. a marketing <laughs> point of view, you're like, do you know what? I, I can't help but admire that. It's like, no. okay, you, you're setting up an opportunity. People are taking it. Absolutely. It's, and again, if you've been doing this for so many years and things sell, yeah. like there is one thing that Kiss gets a lot of grief for. It's their mm. merchandising. Like, right, right, they, right. They've done crossovers with brands like Hello Kitty. Like they will, <laughs> they will stick that makeup on goddamn anything, and people will buy it. Like, yeah. they even sold a kiss coffin once. And don't get incredible. Me, and I won't lie to you, mate. I want to be buried in one. Can't afford <laughs> one, but I want to be buried in one. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh what. yeah. I just realised what I mean. <laughs> speaking of a, a very, very distant episode now, in my memory talking about pinball machines. One that's just popped up. Yep. Kiss pinball. Lots of bands do that. Yeah. That's something I discovered when I chatted with MJ about that. It's, yeah, Kiss. It makes sense. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the Kiss coffin as well. <laughs> Merchandise is Kiss condoms. I've got a Kiss bottle of wine somewhere. Like, Fantastic. I think they even did a crossover with Archie comics once. Like, they Yeah. In the yeah. 70s, there's a Kiss comic book where they put their blood into the red ink. That was with mm -hmm. Marvel comics they did that. Like, Whoa. they will do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, it's like, if, if people are going to buy it... Exactly! People buy it! Yeah, and I guess that's part of the spectacle as well. Like, if you're offering that, then of course you're going to want to market that. Of exactly. course you're going to want to sell a piece of that. I, don't, I, don't, I would think that would make zero sense to do the, the huge spectacle to put all of that time and money, let's be honest as well, that's the other thing. It's going to cost a lot of money to set that up. You got to recover that somehow. I suppose you can't. You can't be completely. Um, I don't know what's the word. Sort of 
dismissive of that fact. No. You, know, you have to actually, yeah, factor that in. And obviously it's different. It was different back in the 70s and 80s and even 90s. But nowadays the music business don't make you a fat lot of money. If it's no. not for these extra things that you're doing to stay relevant, I'm looking slightly off topic from Kiss and I'm talking about modern bands. No, if you're not doing those extra things to get that mm. income in, you're not really making any money doing this. Like no. we spoke, no. we spoke to bands at Two Thousand Trees and Bloodstock and stuff like that for mm. my show, and they still live at home with their parents and they're touring, they're playing big festivals, but there's no money in it. You, yeah. you need to be doing these extra things, and if you're a band like Kiss, you've got that makeup, you've got that look, mm. that brand. Hell, put it on stuff, make money. Don't blame you. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one because I feel like this leads into what I thought was going to be a big topic of conversation here, which is this idea of sort of, uh, I guess the words artistic integrity. Yes. Or, uh, I, you know, getting bandied around here, but I think you're right. It it is that sort of. It's that inter interesting dichotomy, right, of being in a band, like you say, where you are first and foremost an artist, but as you've rightly pointed out, it, you are in a business. You are operating in a business environment. And I, I, I'm always interested to hear and like, yeah, listening to yourself, the interviews that you have and our, our mutual podcast friend, Mark Woodyat, talks to a lot of bands about this as well Is I think a lot of people struggle like you say, yeah. with, with that, right, of reconciling that side of I'm I'm expressing this, I'm doing this artistic thing, I'm being authentic to myself, but I don't want to feel like a sellout. I don't want to feel like, but it's like, is it selling out or is it just being smart with the opportunities that you get? I think that's what and, it is. But that's the thing, I don't know what the answer is. Like you and I can sit here now and go, oh yeah, I would never slap my face on a, you know, a, I don't know, a mug or a, t-shirt or whatever if you know I'd, I'd have integrity i'd never put i was like but if it paid my mortgage i mean w w i don't know w would i would it, I, if someone turned around and said here's 20 grand and we'll you know we'll pop you and your friends on a, a series of posters or whatever I'd be like well okay I'm, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to say no you know if, if you could think of a good reason not to it's exactly that I, I think a lot of times when people judge these bands and artists mm. and actors whatever it may be they don't put themselves in their shoes if mm. you would turn around and here i will give you 20 grand if i can stick a picture of you on a mug or whatever like you said yeah i'd be like here you go have my picture have any photo of me you ever want you want a picture of me naked if you're giving me 20 grand have it mate <laughs> put me on all the cups you want like <laughs> i got mouths to feed and a house to put over my head you go ahead but again mm. i think it's that thing where you're saying though it's artist integrity are you doing it because you want to do this for a living you want this to be your brand your existence your reason to do everything or you really like playing music and you feel like going out there and doing it and well, hey, you sold some records, and you made a success. That's amazing. Mm. But what is your reason you got into it? What is yeah. the reason you're staying in it? it? I think it's that thing which is very hard to mm. find that line sometimes. It is. I tell you one thing. I I will say as well. I think perhaps to jump to the other side of the argument, and I do feel this sometimes, is I think there's a bit of perhaps frustration at bands like this where a lot of people will think, okay, but they've had their time. Maybe yeah. they could just step out now and let somebody else come up and have a go and i do think there is an argument for that certainly i, I can um, yeah i completely mm. agree 
like this year they're doing their final end of end of tour final ever year tour blah, blah. <laughs> and i know this has happened about six or seven times now but their yeah. last album they released was 2012 they've not released yeah. anything since then and they've said because whenever we play like people don't want to hear them songs they want to hear the classics what's the point in making music if people don't want to listen to it okay yeah. but at the same time the last time i saw them live and mm-hmm. keep in mind like i said this is my favorite band i've lost since the age of two as soon as i finished i went I'm so glad they're putting it to an end mm. because Gene couldn't remember half the words. Paul's voice yeah. is gone. He couldn't mm-hmm. hit any high pitch notes anymore. Like mm. Tommy and Eric, fair play to them. They're like, I could do this for years. Like they're going, they're, <laughs> they're growing. They're, they're fine. But the two original members, it's time to call it quits now. Yeah. But I hope at the same time, they put those years of knowledge into helping younger bands now. Because I know they did that earlier in their career. We were talking about Van Halen. One of the big reasons yeah. they got signed was Gene Simmons. Absolutely. He, he heard them yeah. and went, go get sign this band through the record company because mm. they're great. So I hope mm. they put that out there and help the younger generation of musicians coming up because they've got so much knowledge on mm. how to be a successful rock band. Because let's be honest, they are a very successful rock band. There's nothing you can take away from that. Absolutely. So I do hope they do. And it is time to step away now. It's time for a yeah. lot of these bands to step away now. Like, mm. I went to go see Billy Idol not long ago, and I was like, mm. you're doing awesome, but you clearly could do with a cuppa and a sit-down now. It's t- <laughs> time to put your feet up now, Bill. Like, And yeah. I love these bands. This is my yeah. bread and butter. This era of music is my bread and butter. I love it. Oh, They're- same. Yeah, yeah. But enough is that, like, my most yeah. heartbreaking thing is the state of Motley Crue now. My second, oh, my second favorite band on Motley Crue. I love them. Oh, I, I'm so sorry. But yeah, I, I refused <laughs> to go to their last tour. I was like, I am not having that be my last impression of Motley Crue. I don't blame you. So here's a fun fact. Um, 2015 download, that was my first ever download. Um, I missed Kiss, which I do regret. I must admit. I was a broken man. And do you know what the nail in the coffin for me was? It was Motley Crue. Yeah, they weren't great, were they? I was they, were there. The sec- they were second to last band yep. on. And they were so bad that I yeah. just thought, if Kiss are anywhere like this, and to be fair, that's I shouldn't have made that assumption, but I was just like, if this is what is here for me to finish, I'm just going to go home. I'm dead. No. I'm, I'm not going to stick around for this. But as I say, I do regret it because I think that, that, was, that was a bit of a snap decision on my part. But yeah, they, they were awful. And like you say, it's not to bash on them because it's no. easy just to beat an old man with a stick, but you can kind of just go, all right, you've had your time. This is the thing. It's drawing that line, isn't it? I do not blame yeah. them. Vince has mm. been singing these songs for how long? And they're not exactly easy songs to sing if how pitch that man, high pitch that man goes. Right. They're not easy to sing. It is understandable that you cannot do that anymore. Mm. But when do you go, okay, I can't do this anymore. Mm. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You know, I mean, I'm sure you saw the news of Ozzy Osbourne, like, going, one minute, oh, I'm old, I'm out of it, I've, you know, I'm having surgery, blah, blah, blah. He has the surgery, comes down, and goes, oh, I feel better now, I might do another album. It's like, no! Yeah, God, just, again, mate, yeah. Just, no, I'm sorry, just just give it a rest, I mate. love I love Ozzy, I'm from Birmingham, I have to love Ozzy, I feel, I'll get arrested if I don't love Ozzy. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, like you're saying, needs to know when to stop. That is it's my only play- thing with these legacy we're, bands. We're now. speaking out of love as well here, isn't it? It's like, yeah. like you said, you don't want to see your heroes just undignified and like falling apart in front of an audience. It's because it's just unpleasant to watch. It is. But at the same time, I like the fact that, like myself, I was two years old and I fell in love with Kiss. Yeah. My, my daughter, 
My, I, she got introduced. This shows how much their licensing goes. My daughter got introduced <laughs> to Kiss through Scooby Doo. Like, <laughs> there's a Kiss Scooby Doo movie. It's brilliant. <laughs> they brought it for me, and me being me, I already owned it. So she was like, "Of course, we'll keep it." And my daughter yeah. watched it, and she was like. This is the greatest music and the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life because it draws Amazing. you in that look and everything. And I took yeah, her yeah. and I took her on their last tour, not the one just one, the one that was supposed to be their last tour mm. before before the dreaded COVID. And I took my daughter yeah. to go see them. And I never thought I'd get to take any of my kids to go see Kiss. Never Brilliant. thought it was going to happen. And I mm. did, and she absolutely loved it. And I was like, but if they had called it quits when I was originally saying, probably should call it quits now, guys. I wouldn't have got that mm. moment. Yeah, like that recent Def Leppard Motley Crue show. My mom took my sister. My sister's a huge Motley Crue fan. Never got to see them. Yeah, and she loved it. And I was thinking to myself, why? Dreadful. But mm. she loved it, and she got to see him. And I was like, I like the fact the younger generation are getting this opportunity to finally yeah. see these bands. So it's like, stop, but don't, but stop, but don't. Ah, mm. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's an interesting one. I I'm kind of with you in that. I think. There is there is a lot to be said for the legacy that they leave behind and the impact that they've made, but I suppose that's it, right? They have to actually leave the legacy at some point and yeah. just it yeah, it becomes a bit difficult when you, you keep coming back. I mean, like you said, there is that classic joke, not just for kids, but with lots and lots of bands, where it's the last ever, we promise, never again, <laughs> final ever tour. And then like you said, three years later, they're back again. And you just think, guys, come on. Like yeah. But again, I say all of this with the knowledge that they still sell. Yeah. Right? The download, as much as it bugs me that they keep picking the same six headliners every year, there's a reason why, because people show up. Yep. So you, so you can, as much as I can be a bit frustrated by it, I have to go, well, I guess people like it still. People show up for it. People do. And even if it's yeah. for just one or two songs, like, right? I remember the last time Kiss were playing... It was outrage. Mm. Everyone was like, why are they playing? I thought they'd quit. And then you see yeah. footage from the show when you, if you were there yourself and you go, well, this field yeah. is absolutely packed. So they yep. couldn't have been that angry, could they? No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, again, credit where credit is due. And like you said, I, I hope, my sort of hope is that, yeah, they do sort of work more on the passing of the torch kind of thing. And as far as like the marketing side of things go, as much as you can say it's cheesy and it's this and it's that, yeah, maybe there's something to be learned from that, though. It does. It works. You know? But one thing I do want to get across, I want to make sure this is known, that is not the reason yeah. I love this band. I oh, think that no. is the reason yeah. they're success part of the reason they're so successful, because they've got some... But at the end of the day, yeah. I love this band because of their music. And like yeah. I was saying, it's brilliant, kick-ass rock and roll. I don't think mm. Paul has ever gotten the credit he deserves as a vocalist. Like, right. There's a certain song which always stands out to me. It's off the Crazy Nights album. Everyone knows Crazy Crazy Nights. But yeah. there's a particular song on that album called My Way. I have never heard a man hit those tones, those notes, and sing at that level. And it's phenomenal. And keep in mind, they'd been going mm. since what? Oh, 74 they started. This album came out in 87. Mm. So this is God knows how, 12 years into their career and he's prime. His voice is at its prime. And it mm. deserves that respect. They've had some brilliant guitar players over the year. Ace Freely, yeah. obviously their original guitarist gets most of the most of the credit, but 
Mm-hmm. Those non-makeup ears, Bruce Kulick, phenomenal guitar player. Again, mm. oh, it's that makeup band. They're not that good. No, they mm. are. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I it's an interesting one because that's that's the side of it, right? That interests me in this is is exactly that. And I, I mean, I'll hold my hands up. I'm guilty of that of going like, oh, it's that glam rock band. I don't know. But the thing I've really learned doing this podcast more than anything is to be open minded. Yes. And try stuff out. And and to your point, if it was bad, it wouldn't ju- it, the marketing and all the cheesy merchandise in the world wouldn't be enough to keep them going. No, not at all. Not at so all. I'm I'm glad to hear that. So yeah, what are some of the standout songs then for me then? So you mentioned my way. I'm gonna make a list and like have a proper listen through. <laughs> it's 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 tough because I've got so many different eras. But yeah. a couple of songs that always stand out to me. There's an incredible song off Love Gun called shock me mm-hmm. and it's ace free yeah. the guitarist first ever vocal effort and he absolutely nailed it it's a song all about him getting electrocuted on stage and he went i'm gonna write a song with that no. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it's brilliant Love that. and it's a great song yeah. and you wouldn't think that this guy who refused to sing on lead vocals he wrote most of their early songs where he was like i'm not confident enough to sing i'm not gonna sing i can't do it i'm not gonna sing no uh, way in hell okay. but he did it and it's brilliant like mm. The Destroyer album from 1976, it's probably the most popular album. Yep. There's a song on that called Beth, and it's their first big ballad hit. That song was mm. a hit by accident. I can't, I can't what song was released. I believe it's Detroit Rock City. But the yeah. B-side, this is back in the days before we had cassettes and CDs, kids, we had vinyls. <laughs> and the B- oh, they're, they're back in fashion now. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, they're back in fashion now. <laughs> okay, we had seven-inch single vinyls. And there you go. Back on the other side of that, they put Beth as the B-side, and the radios were like, yeah, we're not playing that heavy rock and roll music. We're going to put this on. It's a piano ballad, Brilliant. and it's a beautiful song. All about Love being it. on tour and missing your wife. And it's a Aww. beautiful song. The first album is a song called Deuce, and it's just brilliant rock and roll. And yeah, so many great songs. Mm. I, I, you have opened up a can of worms here, just to let you know, mate, by asking me my oh, favourite Kiss songs. You carry on. Because you can't yeah. just say to me, what's your favourite Kiss song? Because I'll be like, uh, I don't have one. I, I can't. Oh, no, no, no. Listen, listen I, I make this caveat now whenever I say <laughs> favourite things, right? Or like top five. I, I always think it's interchangeable. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like that with pretty much all the bands I love. It's like, depends on the day. You can't, and especially with a band that has so many different sounds, like Kiss, like I was saying. Mm. Like lately, I've been majorly into like the non-makeup era, like uh-huh, the uh-huh. '80s era. Like, like I say, My Way, a great, great song. Yeah, uh, Animalize is a song on there called "Heavens on Fire." It's one of their big hits. And again, mm-hmm. the intro to that song is Paul basically warming his vocal up in the in the vocal booth, and they went, oh. "That sounds awesome. That's going on the record." I'm not oh, gonna lovely. I'm not gonna try and do it because I'll embarrass myself, my voice will break and everything. But it's literally <laughs> high pitched noises. But it's yeah. brilliant and it adds to the aesthetic of the song. Mm. But if I'm gonna recommend two full albums. Oh please do. Creatures of the Night. Uh-huh. It's the last album in makeup before them. They can put it back on in ninety six. Mm-hmm. The drum sound on that album is one of the greatest drum sounds I've ever heard. It is just phenomenal. It's booming it's loud there's a song on that album called i love it loud it's one of my favorites one of my daughter's favorite kiss songs as well and it's just mm-hmm. boom 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 to start it off and you're mm-hmm. like me i'm in a tank like it's, <laughs> it's brilliant and a, my other favorite album is asylum it's a non-makeup era high-pitched yep. 
kick-ass shredding guitar solos king of the mountain the first song on there is phenomenal as well mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. I want it to be known to people that see this band and go nah they're just makeup mate it's nothing whatever makeup and hello kitty dolls whatever it is but no there mm-hmm. is brilliant brilliant music out there as well like and they write incredible ballads like there was a movie that came out in 99 called detroit rock city Mm. which is the name one. So it's basically, it's an American Pie style teen comedy movie based yeah. around Kiss. It's brilliant. Even if you're not a Kiss fan, watch it. It's brilliant. And it's okay. literally about four high school kids who are going to see Kiss at Cobo mm. Hall in Detroit in 1976. And one of their mom is a devout Christian and burns their tickets and then they go try and find yeah. a way to get there again. Brilliant film. But okay. there's, there's a song on the soundtrack to that. And it's a ballad song and it wasn't even in the film. It's just on the mm. end credits. But that song was my first dance song at my wedding. So oh, th- brilliant. So that song's really special to me. And I love the fact as well, because there was a massive Kiss fan at my wedding, and it came mm. on, and he was like, I don't know what that song is. I don't recognise that song, because I ha, 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 I've out-Kiss knowledge you, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, he went, you call yourself a fan, get you out. Know nothing, sir. <laughs> You're banned from my wedding. <laughs> like a true fan. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's special songs like that. It's... Don't get me wrong, there's been some duff songs over the years. Not everyone is a hit. But there's been some, they've done so many good songs. And I think people need to give them more of a chance and step Mm. away from those pre-given conceptions of what they're like. Because they're not like that at all. If you took all that away, they'd still be a great rock and roll band. Which is what they tried to do in the 80s. Yeah. 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 I find that fascinating. Yeah, because again, I know it's that whole it's just it's just people's assumptions right it's just what we do but it's something i've discovered doing this podcast i call it box thinking yes we see a thing we put it in a box and go that's it um and i can see how that happens to kiss like you say whether you're you're in the metal scene you look at them and just oh it's a silly glam rock band or if you're not you might look at them and believe that for whatever reason that they are some sort of weird satanic cult band one of the strangest myths around kiss that i have never understood i will say that now as somebody who just when I first heard that, I was like, well, that cannot be true. Because if you listen to any of their songs, it's immediately obvious that it's not. But that's the stigma that most metal and rock and roll gets. I love it. My favorite thing about Kiss, like you're saying, with the whole Satan worshipping, is yeah. the devout Christians of the 70s picketing, saying, Kiss, it stands for Knights in Satan's Service. I'm like, yeah. have you listened to their music, love? <laughs> like, not really. <laughs> it's, it's just one of my favorite things ever. It's just... Uh, let's say Titanic Panic. What a Knights trying to sleep with as many women as physically possible. Yes, we'll go with that. Doesn't work as an acronym, yeah. but we'll go no. with that. Like they have yeah. a song. They have a song all about a, a woman that collects molds of people's penises. It's yeah. It's yeah. not exactly you know PC, but it's not mm. satanic in the slightest. No. They get as satanic no. as basically Gene calls himself the demon and he spits blood on stage. And again, he got yeah. that from a circus yeah. act, not from the devil. So, <laughs> right, that, that's it. That's the thing, isn't it? Again, it, it's yeah, it's an interesting stigma that um, I've always found fascinating around certain bands. You kind of like, yeah, I mean, not really. It's, <laughs> especially in this day and age, it's kind of like just Google it if you if you're really uns, uns, you know if you really want to find out. Yep, Google it. And like I would say again, like you hear, um, yeah, you hear any Kiss song on the radio, and you suddenly go, yeah, this is not. This is not anything remotely in that ballpark whatsoever, <laughs> very obviously. Um, 
I just think people in that era were very bored and just wanted to protest things. If it wasn't that, it was Dungeons and Dragons and lots of other things that they just I forgot know, blobbed that. onto. What makes oh, it laugh again? No, I was going to say it's just it's a fascinating era of like American history, sort of the panic culture that existed around then. Um, and yeah, music, popular it's, culture, it all got swept up in it. And I love the fact there are bands out there that do sing about things like Satan and stuff like that, and they just get left yeah. on. A, imagine King Diamond and yeah, Merciful yeah. Fate are just sat there going, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. It's something that's very obvious. And, you know, as someone who's not a fan of any of that, I'm like, yeah, I'll stay out. I'll stay away from it. But like you say, they usually, they usually telegraph that sort of stuff. And you kind of go, okay, right. That, that's you, is it? Okay. Whereas, yeah, a band like Kiss, it's like, obviously not. That's, no. you know, that'd be like accusing Guns N' Roses of, of being satanic in some way. Or, you know, it's like, it just isn't. Um, but yeah, again, it's, it's just that thing of a band, I guess, if you make an image, you make yourself stand out you do theatrics it's basically what i'm saying if it's things that people don't understand and give the time of day to you're going to make all sorts of weird and wild assumptions and it is an element of them that i do feel a sort of bit of sympathy for because i kind of think it's sort of damned if they do damned if they don't right like because on the one hand yeah they're probably getting grief from people completely misunderstanding what they're about and then in the communities that they're a part of the rock and roll metal community there'll be people that will ostracize them because it's, you know, it's not heavy enough or it's glam or it's disco or it's, you know, whatever. So it, I, I kind of can understand if that maybe pushes you in a direction to go, oh, do you know what? To hell with all of you. We're just going to do what we're going to do. We're going to make as much money as possible. Have a bunch of hits. See ya. And just, yeah. you know, crack on. Which fair play to them, they did because at the end of the day, mm. like you say, that brings so much. What is it? What is the expression? Any pe- any press is good press. So if right. they're in the news yeah. for being satanic and whatnot, then the parents might be like, no, but then the kids are like, yeah, Rebellion. rebel, mm. rebel, let's go. I'm buying tickets. Like, yeah. To then probably stand there and go, he's talking what? about ladies wearing high heels. What's satanic? I'm confused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not as advertised, but I like it. So I was made <laughs> for loving you, baby. Do, 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 do. Well, yeah. this is some hardcore yeah. Satan oh, stuff stodgy. right here. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah got careful, <laughs> careful. It's, yeah. But then again, it's, and it's that thing of, like you said, the rock and metal kind of going, ah, oh, well, it's not really, is it? It's like, yeah, but it is, guys. It, it is. is. I mean, if, and not be funny, if ACDC are allowed to exist, there's absolutely no reason why Kiss can't exist also. Exactly. And I think as well, the one thing which I don't think they get enough credit for is how much they've inspired mm. and helped other artists. Oh, yeah. 100%. The amount of interviews <sighs> I've heard with people that... Because, um, again, I wanted to ask you about this. There's an official, like, uh, sort of fan base, right, called the Kiss Army, is that right? The Kiss Army, yeah. The Kiss Army was started, I can't remember what year it was, it was many years ago, but basically two fans wanted Kiss played on their local radio station. Mm. And it wasn't happening. So they basically started their own fan club. They went outside the radio station and were like, no, we want this band played. And it started from there. And fans upon fans upon fans grew. And it became what is known as the Kiss Army. You could still, back in the day, you could join it for a certain fee. You get like membership packs. You get a patch to put on your jacket. I've got one somewhere. And all sorts of stuff. Loads of perks. Now you could just click and subscribe on their website. It's basically their mailing list now. But yeah. Back in the day, it was a proper fan club of this band to show how much they meant to you. And mm. I, I dread to... Fi- would you find that much passion in fans nowadays that will go, I am going to stand outside your radio station until you play my favourite band? 
Like, yeah. Give yeah. them the respect that they deserve. Like, you know, you mm. don't find that level of fandom anymore. Yeah. So it's uh, Bill Starkey and Jay Bill Evans. Starkey, yeah, that's just, it. That's right. I just had a quick Google. Um, oh, yeah. Cue the Google jingle. Oh, what's his name? It's time to Google. Um, or maybe I'll put the sneaky Google in while you were talking. Oh, I'll just I'll decide later. Uh, but anyway, distracting myself for future editing duties. I am I'm absolutely fascinated by that, and I agree with you, Jamie. That's that's some fandom I can get behind of just it's yeah, great. Like it's because it's not aggressive. It's not you know harassing people online or throwing bricks through people's windows. It's just I'm here and I am going to stay here until you put this right. Yep. So you give give this band some love. Fair enough. And from what you're saying and what I'm just quickly reading on here, yeah, obviously then spread into something quite lovely and genuine. And it's an interesting aspect of every discussion I have, well, most every discussion, is this idea of community behind oh, yeah. something, right? And yeah, I would I would not be surprised to learn that this is a band with that, you know, very much falls into that category, right, of building a community. Oh, absolutely. Like back in 2005, I think it was, I went to my first ever Kiss Expo. And it was great. And the fact that this exists, I'm not sure if they still happen now. I've not seen one over here anyway. I don't know if they still happen in the States. But it was literally, you went to this thing, there was people selling merchandise, there was tribute bands, and all, a former Kiss drummer was there for people to meet. And people mm -hmm. were just chatting and getting along and talking all about their favorite band. I remember getting into a discussion with this guy I'd never met before in my life. And we were just talking about this certain album. And we were just like, I love this song. It's a great song. Yeah. Oh, that, I don't know why they don't play it on current tours. It's, it's ridiculous they don't play it on current tours. Like proper getting into this conversation about these records. And I was like, I love how passionate this guy is about this band that everyone tells me I'm stupid for, for loving so much. Like, mm. And it's great. Yeah. And it's like, I met the, re the re whole reason I got into podcasts in general is because of Kiss. Because I found this thing called the Kiss Podcast. And this is this far back. Talking 2004, I had to download it off his website and drag the file onto my MP3 player in order to listen to the Kiss podcast. Like, <laughs> that's how far back we're going here. And I, I met, love that. I met this guy at that expo and I was like, your show's amazing. I listen all the time. He's like, someone listens to my show over here? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's but awesome. But these Kiss Expos are amazing. Like Kiss did their own version in 96. They basically toured it across mm. the States and they did unplugged shows, like, and which eventually led to them doing MTV Unplugged and doing a load of their songs acoustic, which added a whole new level to these songs, which, mm. which I, I can't remember who, which musician I heard say it once, but he basically said, a song is not a good song unless you can play it on an acoustic guitar. Ooh. Because okay. at, the, at the end of the day, that is a guitar you are playing. That is as raw as it gets as a guitar. Yeah, if it doesn't yeah, yeah. sound good on that, it might sound different to the way you know it. But if it doesn't sound mm. like a good song, yeah, is it yeah. a good song? I was like, I don't know if I agree mm. with that statement, but I get what you're getting at. I, I suppose <laughs> in, in the sort of genre of rock and roll, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Because it's, it's typically the lead instrument. It's sort of driving the melody. And, and like you said, if, if you can strip that back and do sort of like an unplugged version and it still carries and yeah yes and these songs yeah. sounded incredible on acoustic guitar mm. like they just added a whole new life to these songs and it brilliant it's a brilliant another record i can't recommend enough just to hear these songs a little bit differently mm. 
and they, yeah. they played songs on that that like people had never heard before or they'd mm. never played live before because either they hated the album it came off there's a certain kiss album that gets a lot of stick and i think only recent mm. years has received any credit they did an album called music from the elder and it was a mm. concept album it was basically about a story about a boy who went on an adventure to find himself and battled this mm. demon and no one really knows what it's about it's very convoluted all the songs were released mm. out of order on the record it was a complete disaster yeah. but <laughs> but they played a couple of songs off that record on this like on this acoustic album You're like you know what they were really good songs like yeah. fair played like take everything away from it they were really mm. good songs and it gives you some mm. a bit more respect for these songs it's a great listen right if you can find the extended version they didn't release, it's even funnier because they do <laughs> right. a version of God of Thunder, which is one of their heaviest songs. Yeah. And they did that as a country song, and it's brilliant. Wow. It's, okay. It's, they never released it. It was clearly for the live audio audience. Yeah, yeah. If you have to find like a bootleg version of this album, and it's brilliant. absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> absolutely that's, ridiculous. That sounds incredible, though. I love that. Absolutely love that. I'm here for that. Um. Yeah, as I learned recently, there is a lot of crossover between the sort of heavy metal and uh, country. Oh yeah, scenes. So I, c- I can see that working. It, I can it's see that it's working. brilliant. And Palmy's yeah. like, oh, why did you only do a snippet? That would have been great to hear as a full song yeah. going on the album because it's just brilliant and fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I suppose that's the thing, right? Thinking about it, if you're going to be in this band, you got to have some fun. Absolutely. Right? You can- I don't think you can take it all too seriously. You can't. You've got, you know, at the end of the day, you're walking out in eight-inch heels, a face full of makeup. This mm. day and age, wigs. Like, yeah. <laughs> leather, leather PVC chains and all that stuff, jumping around. Mm. You've you got to have a bit of fun with it, really. And, you know, if you step back mm. and look at it too seriously, you go, this is ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> it really is a little bit silly, isn't it? I'm walking yeah. on stage and waggling my tongue around and blowing fire and spitting blood. It's a little bit ridiculous. Mm. But it's fun, and that's all that matters. Is it's fun. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what it should be. I think again, especially for that era of music, that as we said at the start, that is what drives so much of it. Yeah. It has to be. It has to be a bit of fun. And I think, like we were saying earlier, I think those bands that put in that little bit of extra effort into their appearance, their stage presence, mm. the flag, they're the ones that get remembered. Like, let's be honest, if Slipknot came out in 2000 or 2001, whatever year it was, mm. and they were just nine dudes on stage with no jumpsuits, no masks, yeah, they'd mm-hmm. probably still be famous. They're great songs. But would mm. they be as famous? Would they be as recognised if it weren't for mm. that? I don't think so. Because No. I think it's what makes you stand out in a crowd and gets you out yeah. there. And I think that's so important. No, I agree. I agree. And I think there is something to that of, performance as well i i imagine it also plays yes. into the performance like i know listening to interviews with Corey taylor that that's part of the thing of the mask is it's sort of like disappearing into this character and it it changes the way that he approaches those songs and if you don't believe me go and listen to his solo stuff or stone sour that's very very different um and then even recently i was listening to an interview with the front man from a band called tesseract as sort of a new listen of mine i don't know if you've heard i've of heard them. of them i don't I'm not sure if i've actually heard them but i know of them yeah yeah it's the thing i i wasn't aware and then um shout out to jack chambers ward a former uh, guest on this show he sort of mentioned them in passing and went and looked it up really good band like really sort of interesting progressive stuff it's kind of like that band and the band sleep token is another one that i've sort mm. of recently discovered 
where it's the same thing, whether it's all about the performance, it's all about the theatrics. Yes. And the, yeah, the front man of Tesseract, the reason why I bring it up, because I heard an interview with him recently talking about his, uh, his approach to songs and vocals. And the guy does all sorts of interesting stuff with his voice. But he was explaining the concept behind the albums and the fact that it's a character that's singing these words and writing these lyrics. And that changes the approach to what you do. And I, I was fascinated by that, just in terms of like a blend of psychology and art. And I can see that approaching that sort of, uh, I can see that approach basically with a band like Kiss. Yeah. If you're going out, if you're doing that, if you're putting that performance on, it's going to change how you approach the songs, right? It's going to change how you do things live, I'd have thought. You probably will tap into things creatively in your brain that maybe you wouldn't do. And I guess I w- I'll hand this back over to you. Like, Do you feel like you get that approach or do you hear, sort of hear that change in sound in the different eras? For example, the, the sort of makeup era versus the non-makeup era in terms of how they approach their songs. Absolutely. Like I said, there is a very different sound. And I think not only is it trying mm. to stay relevant because that is a big part of yes. it, there's no denying that, but yeah. you feel that difference. And I was saying earlier on how it was their live performance that got them over because those records don't have that same sound. And I've often wondered, is it because when mm. they're on stage, they're not Paul, Gene, Ace and Pierre. They are right. the star child, the demon, the Catman, the spaceman. They are up there they're in right. that persona. They're like believing what they're saying. They're proper going for it. Instead of being sitting in a studio with a pair of headphones on going, ding, 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 ding. You know, it's yeah. not the same. It's not getting no. that same vibe across. And I wonder if that is part of it because it is that mm. character, that energy that character brings, that feel from the crowd who are just eating every word you say. Mm. Like, it's got to be part of it. And like you said, when they took the makeup off, it's the same band as a lot of it is the same sort of lyrical content. Basically, you're a lady, I'm a man, let's do this thing. Because a lot of Kiss songs are about <laughs> that. But, yeah. <laughs> but there is a different feel to those songs it's it's, mm. it's hard to describe i can't think how to describe it but it is definitely different it's mm. less of a performance and it's more we are now four musicians let's write some stuff right and it is it is very different and then when they got back in the makeup and they do that first album psycho circus in 97 i think that album came out you get that mm. feeling again of this song is by the demon this song is by spaceman you do feel like they tap mm. into those personas a little bit it's definitely there. Yeah. You can't deny it. It's definitely there. Yeah, that's fascinating, genuinely. Because, again, I feel like I hear this sort of coming across from a lot more uh, artists these days in, in different uh, genres, as I say, whether it's sort of progressive music, whether it is, yeah, sort of, I guess you could say glam music, or whatever genre it is. I think whenever there's a bit of a performance or hell even a stage name right just thinking about that how many people bands have had stage names and you kind of wonder yeah i wonder if they would just play differently if they didn't have that i mean would slash approach the guitar the same way if he was just saul hudson and not slash maybe i don't know i mean i still like to think he's he's obviously would still be just as talented and amazing but would the approach be different you know because of the persona and the character because that's what it is. And I guess to come back to what we were saying at the start. So to that extent, if anything, it's like, now that I think about it, now that we've explored that avenue, I'm like, oh, actually, that's quite clever. That's quite interesting. And 
I'm even more curious now to go and check this out a bit more and give it some time. I've always wondered as well, a lot of the bands who do give themselves stage names, who put those personas on, just looking yeah. at it like really detailed, like, is it uh-huh. a form of therapy? It's like, yeah. my life, I've got a lot of going on. Mm. I'm going to walk on that stage. I am no longer Stanley Ison. I am now Paul Stanley, right. the star child. Mm-hmm. Let's forget all this stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I'm on that stage now. I'm a different person. Mm. And it sort of helps you drop. I don't know. I, I, this is not something I've ever, they've never really opened up to that level in interviews and stuff. Mm. But it just makes me wonder, is that a sort of a stage thing that makes them go, right, this is me. And is that why it's so hard to let go for some of these bands, these legacy bands? Yeah. Because that's like, that's my defense mechanism. That's my shield. I now have to go in the big bad world and be myself. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to go even deeper on that, who am I outside of the character? Exactly that. A lot of people have given Kiss a lot of grief over the past few years, and I've said, you may want to go, oh, they're money-grabbing us, but have you ever sat back and thought, they've been doing this for 50 years, to then suddenly Mm. go, this is not who I am anymore. This is Mm. not what I'm going to do for my life anymore. I'm now going to go sit in my house, my very big house, (laughs) with my wife (laughs) and my children, and I'm not going to go and tour the world, play music that I love, anything. The stuff I've dedicated my life to for 50 years, I'm not going to do that anymore. That mm. can't be easy to do. No, I mean, I think people just in, you know, I don't want to say flippant, but in sort of, in air quotes, everyday careers find that hard to do, right? Reti- retirement's difficult for anyone. Absolutely. It really is. I've been doing my podcast now for, we've been doing this particular show for over two years. If you told mm. me today you cannot do that anymore, I would be a broken man. Because that is my thing that I love to do. That is, you know, it's part of me now. And I've only been Can doing relate. this. I've only been doing this two years, not fifty. Mm. And I haven't toured the world. I'm playing in front of thousands of yeah. millions of people. So yeah. I can only imagine how hard it's got to be to hang it up. As much as part of me says, yeah. "Please hang it up," I get mm-hmm. why they don't want to, and I try not to judge that because I, I don't understand why they wouldn't want to. I really do. Yeah, I do genuinely hope though that they figure out the way to retire. And yeah. at least do it on a high. I think that's the worry, like you said earlier. If it gets to the point where you kind of feel like you just, you know, you're putting down a sick animal, like it's just like, okay, it's time now and it's just sad. No one enjoys it. Everyone's miserable. It would be nice to kind of see them do something that just means that they end on a bit of a bang, even yeah. though it's not going to be the same as it was, you know, like 30 years ago, even. That's fine. It would just be nice to see people retire with dignity, I suppose. I think as well, like we're saying, they need to go out and help other artists because they've, oh, they've yeah. helped so many. Like I said, Van Halen wouldn't be a thing. Rush wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for Kiss because they took them out on those early mm. tours and got them that crowd. Bon Jovi wouldn't be as big as they were if it wasn't for Kiss because, again, took right. them out on those early tours. So, you know, they've helped so many artists along the way. For Gene Simmons to not hang up his boots and then go and help bands mm. with their marketing and getting their brand and their name out there would be a crime. Mm. Because as much as yeah. we laugh about it and take the mick, mm. that man is clever when it comes to marketing oh, it and brand. It's worked mm. and it's worked for many years. Mm. Like, it, to not pass on that knowledge would almost be criminal. Yeah. And yeah. Like, songwriting, production, there's so many things these guys have been involved in in the years. I really hope they do go, okay, we're not going to perform anymore, but let's go help mm. the next generation. I've always felt like that, that should be the way for a lot of touring recording artists right is to kind of go the way of like sports managers right yeah. like ath- athletes becoming coaches 
it's like why not just have that transition absolutely with, with a lot of bands but as you say maybe it comes back to what you just said a minute ago maybe it's like i, I don't know how to let go of that it's what i do and it's but then like, like you said it's like okay that's great pass it on yeah give it to somebody else and yeah credit where credit is due is like we've just briefly touched on here there is a mountain of success here that they've achieved which is unlike a lot of bands in the world oh, yeah. yeah i agree with you man pass it on absolutely it on. get it out there get it to other people um if you're gonna do this last ever promise pinky promise definitely <laughs> finally really honestly for real not coming back you know forever tour just make it the last one and call it a day I, st- I still think until the day they die, there'll be that voice in the back of my head that goes, uh, yeah. there's going to be another one, isn't there? Uh, there's yeah. going to be yeah. another one. I just know it. Yeah, yeah, like you said, they're not the only ones. Ozzy's another one. Lars did the same when Metallica finished their set. And even I thought, yeah, I don't know if you've got another one in your lads. Like, you look like yeah. you were struggling by the end. Like, <laughs> And that's, again, there's no disrespect, but it is like, like you said, you're in your 60s, you're in your 70s, you're in your 80s, some of them. It's like, there's absolutely no shame in calling it a day. At the end of the day, if you worked in a supermarket, you would have been retired a long time ago. Oh, it's that yeah. age now. Retire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, yeah. If, you, if you're not comfortable driving, you know, yeah. <laughs> without assistance, like uh, you should, maybe, maybe it's not good to go on a, on a worldwide tour and do all the, because that, that is brutal. That is hard going. So, but like I said, um, it's, it's easy for people to judge. I'm a huge pro wrestling oh, fan. Yeah. And you've got wrestlers out there. Like Ric Flair is a prime example. Oh, man. My yeah. God, stop. Yeah, but yeah. there's still, he's even said in an interview and listened to the other day, he still yeah. wants one more match. I'm like, <laughs> please, for the love it, of God, Rick, don't. <laughs> he, he will die on stage. That's He yeah. will. He, he'll die in the ring. That's what's going to happen. But again, <laughs> how he's been doing it for so many years in front of so mm. many crowds. Yeah. How hard can it, it's got to be hard to let go. And it does. Yeah, it's it very, does, it's very but... easy to look in, but yeah, it's true. But so I guess the yeah, the moral of this is, yeah, maybe let's not judge them for that. No, I just appreciate what's here. I mean, certainly for myself, Jamie, I'm going to be going away and listening to what you've recommended. I've even downloaded the albums you mentioned, so I will be giving them a shout <laughs> and I will be messaging you, letting you know what I think because. I think it's always worth checking these things out. No, and that's one thing. If people are listening to this and they've not heard Kiss before and they're just listening to it because they're massive fans of this show. Please give them a chance. Yes, because... all five of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, please give the band a chance because it is more than the makeup and the stage show. There's a reason mm-hmm. they got to the level where they can do the makeup and the stage shows. They are yeah. brilliant, kick-ass rock and roll. Don't go in there expecting mm. Ingwie Malmsteen or some like technical bollocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just want some good time, rock and roll, these yeah. are you guys. Go ch- check them out. They're brilliant. They really are. Well said. Thank you. So... On that note, Jamie, uh, to close us out, I'm just going to hand it over to you, my friend. Where can the good people find you? Oh, where can the good people find me? The best place to find me is on the Chronicles of Podcast. So www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com or at TCOPod on all your favourite social medias. Um, We come out every Friday, 6 o'clock. We're a show of two halves, we like to say. Me and my co-host, Tom, we have our own little fun show. Uh, We just chat. We have a friend of ours called Callum who sends us in his 
weekly nuggets of information which are wonderful and hilarious. Any man that just says, is cereal soup, will always live in my head just forever. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's got his journal, which basically stuff he finds from all over the internet, which basically breaks me on a weekly basis to the point you can't mm. even hear me through the microphone. My laugh has got that high-pitched. Like, yeah. And then I like to get answers from our audience over just bizarre weekly questions um, like, I'm trying to think what the last one was. The last one was uh, one week before last was your favourite knock knock joke. I've never seen mm. Tom look like he was in so much pain because he Brilliant. doesn't do bad jokes, and that was very painful <laughs> for him. By the time that segment ended, he was just like, "Oh, thank God!" Yeah. <laughs> but as well, we also talk to people from all over the world, like mm. different backgrounds, musicians, podcasts. We re- we mentioned Mark Wood, yeah, our good friend from the Mark Me yeah. podcast. We had him on the other week. Coming mm-hmm. this Friday, what day is it today? It's Wednesday, isn't it? So in two days' time, we're releasing a interview with Sean Smith, the lead singer from the Blackout. Oh which was great fun. But we've also spoken to, we mentioned Motley Crue earlier, we've spoken to former Motley Crue vocalist John Karabi, which was a fantastic mm. conversation. We've spoken to Chesney Hawks, the one and only. Like, Lovely. We've had Rab himself from Jackass, Bear in mm. the Big Blue House, Noel McNeil, so many different guests. Yeah. But the one I always point to the most is because it's the most near and dearest to our heart. We are all big members of the alternative subculture, the, the rock and metal community. We sat mm-hmm. down a few years ago with Sylvia Lancaster, who was the mother of Sophie Lancaster. So don't yeah. know if you remember, Sophie was a mm-hmm. young girl that lost her life due to the fact she was dressed like a goth. That was literally it. So yeah. we spoke to her, and from that, we built a budding, lovely relationship with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. So now mm-hmm. we go to festivals, we interview bands, talking all about the foundation. We're raising awareness for that charity. So if people out there aren't yeah. aware, please go to www.sophielancasterfoundation. Make yourself familiar with that story because it's a message we want to spread everywhere throughout the world. So it would mean the absolute world. So yeah, go follow mm. us on all the socials. Go follow the Sophie Lancaster Foundation mm. and go listen to Kiss. They're brilliant. Go check them out now. <laughs> <laughs> They've got 750 compilation albums. Just go put one of them on. It's fun. You'll get a taste exactly. of everything. Exactly. A greatest hits to get you started. And go um, watch Kiss Exposed and watch the most ridiculous home video you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> brilliant. I'll be sure to put links to all of that in the show notes. So uh, thank you very much, Jamie. Thank you very much, my friend. This has been great fun. Really appreciate you having me on. And there we have it. Thank you so much, Jamie, for coming onto the podcast and sharing your love of the legendary band that is Kiss. I really hope you guys listening enjoyed this episode. I had a ton of fun talking about this with Jamie and have gone back actually and listened to some of the albums that he recommended. And I'm not going to lie, I think I'm a fan of Kiss now. I think that's what's happened. So if you feel the same way, then make sure you reach out to Jamie, let him know what you thought of this episode. Links are in the show notes for that. You can also check out his wonderful podcast, The Chronicles of Podcast. It's a fantastic interview podcast, well worth your time. I've left links in the show notes so you can go and give that a follow and give him some support. I'm sure he would love to hear from you. And if you want to reach out to me and let me know what you thought of this episode, or if you have any thoughts on KISS, then please reach out to me. You can reach me via the social media links that are also in the show notes, as well as the Discord server page. I will be launching a dedicated page just for KISS. So by all means, jump in there and have a chat with me about this band. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you'd love to give it some support, then please consider doing a few simple things. First and foremost, just tell somebody. I really don't mind who you tell, how you tell them, or when and where you tell them, but as long as you do, it would really help out the podcast. It's the only way for this podcast, as an independent podcast, 
to grow. So please consider doing that. You can also leave five-star reviews on your favorite podcatcher. The best ones seem to be Apple, from my understanding, because you can leave a few nice comments. And if you do so, then please tell me, because I'd love to read it out and give you a massive shout-out on the podcast. It really is the least that I can do. And if you have some spare change that you want to throw towards the podcast, then please consider heading over to the Coffee or Kofi page to donate, or you can head over to Tee Public and check out some of the merchandise featuring the wonderful artwork designed by one Alex Jenkins. His details are also in the show notes if you'd like to hit him up for some graphic design work or buy one of his children's books. That's right, he illustrates children's books. I think it's a really cool thing, so by all means, go and check that out. And finally, before we sign off, I want to give a massive shout out to the podcast that nobody asked for. Those guys were kind enough to have me on their show to talk about movies we would add Godzilla to. The discussion is as chaotic as that title suggests, and even features some new jingles, one of which was written by yours truly. So all of that good stuff is available via the links in the show notes of this episode. And that's it from me. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode featuring multiple guests on a movie-based topic, one that is somehow obscure yet incredibly broad at the same time. You know, my wheelhouse. It was a load of fun to record and I cannot wait to share it with you guys. So until then, take good care of yourselves. Have a great week. Go and listen to Kiss. Go and check out the Chronicles of podcast and I'll meet you right back here for another episode of Fundamentals. See you then. Mm -hmm.